Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show, giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Five, four... You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Good afternoon. Ben Renato is your host today on Brainwaves. And today on Brainwaves, we have special guest Indigo Dare, who's the general manager of consumer and care advocacy and leadership at Mental Illness Fellowship Victoria. And she's been instrumental in developing and implementing the call to action in the lead-up to the Victorian state elections, which are occurring this Saturday. And so I'd just like to give a warm welcome to my colleague, Indigo. How are you doing, Indigo? Hi, Ben. I'm fantastic. Great to be on the show again. Yeah, great to have you on the show too. Thanks for your phoning in today. Where are you and what are you up to? I'm up in Sydney, um, so missing, missing my mates down in Melbourne, but talking tomorrow at a conference about the NDIS to share what consumers have been telling us about the scheme. So that'll be quite exciting. I've just introduced your role and um, that you've been instrumental in developing and implementing the call to action in the lead to the state-up elections. Mm-hmm. So Victorians go to the polls this Saturday for our state election. Can you tell us... Your thoughts about mental health in this election? Sure. Um, it, look, it's been a busy time for us, but I have to say it's it's been pretty disappointing, really. Mental health got very little coverage as an election issue. We seem to spend a lot of time talking about roads um, and more roads. Um, we know both major parties only released their mental health policies in the last week or two, so it really gave us very little time to review the policies or for the community to debate them. And I guess, Ben, um, you know, a big consideration around that is that the mental health sector is going through some of the most sweeping changes we've ever seen in the sector since we closed all the the old institutions back in the 1980s. Um, And people may not be aware of that, um, but huge changes. And and a lot of those are really exciting, but a lot of them also bring big challenges. And so during this um, kind of time, we really want to see a lot more rigorous review and debate in the community, especially by consumers and carers, but we just haven't seen that happen really. Now, Indigo, you're in a new role at Mental Illness Fellowship as Consumer and Care, General Manager for Consumer and Care Advocacy and Leadership, and that is in the Chief Executive Team reporting to the CEO, and part of your role is listening to what consumers and carers have to say and um, really being a catalyst towards amplifying the voice of others. What are some of the most important issues 
in mental health that you're hearing about right now? Okay, um, lots. I, I'm still getting the giggles, you know, when I hear people announce my job title. I have to <laughs> say, Ben, it's um, it's so exciting to be in this role and to have this opportunity. Um, it, it keeps um, taking me back to remembering when I was told that I'd never work again um, and how wrong that was. Um, anyhow, that was a bit of a side issue, but it's great to be where I am today. Indigo's yeah, a myth buster and a mover and a shaker. Ah. Uh, I am. Well, I'm certainly a shaker. (laughs) (laughs) Look, issue, you asked me about the important issues in mental health right now. There's heaps of them, which is part of what makes um, advocacy a really important job right now. And what's most important, I think, depends on who you ask. Um, Consumers, um, the main thing that consumers are telling me they want, and I think it's what we've always wanted, are services that actually help us to get our lives back on track and at the same time services that don't abuse our human rights and our basic dignity while they're helping us. And we've still got a lot of work to do around that. Um, the other things that I've been hearing, aside from the NDIS, which I've talked about on your, the show before and, and can talk about a bit more, um, is that a lot of consumers have been unhappy and confused with some of the, the recent reforms. Um, I've had a number of people um, be very sad about the loss of drop-in centres um, and quite a lot of other people saying that they're finding the new intake procedures, which is something very new in our sector. Um, they're finding that feels a bit like a new barrier and makes it harder to find support. Um, carers and families are kind of primarily wanting to know that that the people that they love are, are getting the best support that they can, but also... I'm hearing more and more concern about whether carers are going to be able to keep the sort of supports that they need Um, and different focuses from services. So we're hearing that researchers want better facilities, that hospitals want more beds um, and the community mental health sectors wanting to know firstly whether it's got a future and secondly how... um, how we get to focus on real recovery um, in this constantly changing environment. Yeah, so um, meant to, at, at, um, do you want me to talk a bit about what we're, how we're deciding what to focus on it? That'd be great. Yeah, so at my fellowship, um, the call to action that we put together for the election, we decided to focus on what's happening in community mental health because that's where we work and that's what we know the best. Um, so a few months back, we put together our call to action and we highlighted four areas. It was the NDIS, because we, we work in the trial site and um, a lot of people aren't affected by the NDS yet and don't know about it, but um, it will affect everyone over the next few years. Um, and the issues there are, are really significant, but they're also really complex, so it's been quite a challenge to get people to understand that. Um, we've focused on better residential support services. So we've, we're trying to call for, um, for the government to start to think about running these in different ways, things like our prevention and recovery um, park programs and community care units to get community services much more involved in them rather than having them be so hospital-focused. Um, and two other areas we focused on, one is housing and one's peer support. So around housing, um, have you guys been talked about the Doorway program uh, on the have, show before? Um, we have Doorway is a housing support and accommodation program for people affected by mental health challenges as well as being at risk or homeless. Absolutely. I used to yeah. work in the Doorway program as a um, housing and recovery worker. 
I didn't know that, Ben. Yeah. Cool. So it's, as you know, um, and some of your listeners, listeners might know, it's a great program. It's really innovative. And we're supporting people to get into private rental um, instead of um, getting into to public housing. It's great for people. It's great for government budgets. We're getting really good results for people. And what we, we've got funding to roll this out in, in four areas of Victoria, but that leaves a whole lot of people still not able to access this support. And we know homelessness is an issue all over the state. So what we wanted to do was get some funding to set up some um, processes and information and training so we could teach the whole rest of the sector how to do this. So every Victorian who's struggling um, with the risk of homelessness and mental health could access the support. But we weren't able to get any commitments around that. Um, and the other area was peer support and Ben, as you know, we, we run some great peer support programs, Wellways for Families and My Recovery for Consumers. And again, it's similar to Doorway, what, what we were seeking um, was a way to, to roll this great program out across the state. Um, so we do it in a variety of areas, but we wanted to get some support to sort of set up a, a crack training team of consumers and carers that could go out and train every other service in how to do this work. Um, but we... We haven't got support for any of the things that we've asked for um, in our campaigning, but we'll keep working on it. Absolutely. Keep keep plugging away at it. So what have you done to try and get changes during the selection campaign? Um, well, we've put together the call to action. We've met with loads of politicians um, and political advisors, people in departments. Um, so that's been really useful and hopefully that will continue no matter what happens um, with the election this Saturday. Um, we've done a lot of work in social media and seen a lot of debate in places like Facebook. Um, I think what I'm most proud of is what we did in Geelong around the NDIS. So The National Disability Insurance Scheme. Yeah, oh, thank you for explaining. I always forget to explain my acronyms. Um, so we promoted this advocacy event when I was last on the show with Brendan um, and we held that in the middle of October. Um, and so we just we set up an event and invited people who had stories to share to come and, and tell us about them, what was going on. And we had no idea if anyone was even going to turn up. So I was a little bit anxious on the morning. But we, we got about 60 people and you were there, Ben. I was so, there. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, very interesting to hear about people's experiences of um, being transitioned from community management health services under the NDIS scheme and uh, many people I spoke to were being told that they weren't actually eligible for the NDIS and yeah they were left without any service at all. For sure. And look, that was, you know, I have to say that there, we did speak to a number of people who had really positive stories yeah. to share and, that, yeah. and that's great. But the, I think there were far too many stories we heard of people who felt really excluded, people who were hurt, frightened, angry. There are even some people who felt that their experiences had actually set their mental health backwards, which is definitely not something we want to see. Um, and so we collected everyone's stories and they were so powerful and so important that we, we ended up making a little film um, and putting it on YouTube. And it, it's a bit of a dodgy film because we're not filmmakers. <laughs> but um, on the other hand, it's also, I think, a brilliant film um, 
And it's brilliant because it's real people who told us that no one was hearing them, that they felt like no one cared about what was happening to them. And we said, well, let's tell people in your words so that everyone can hear you um, and put it out there. And we've got more than a 1,000 views of the film and the people involved have found it really empowering and, and we're now seeing a lot more stories coming through to us and people are wanting to get those out there. So I'm really interested in looking at ways we can make it easy for people to feel heard um, and have an influence. Um, and that's quite exciting in my advocacy role um, to find ways to really magnify people's voices. And I guess, you know, Ben, I know you and I have probably talked about this before, how often consumers in mental health are just really silenced yeah. um, by systems around us and we lose confidence. Um, so I think, yeah, providing ways where people can really be heard is an important part of the campaign and, and that was a real honour to be a part of. And I think that was part of the beauty of holding that forum was getting people in the same room and listening to people's concerns and the issues raised. Now, if people want to watch that YouTube clip, can they just Google Raise Your Voice YouTube? Um, the best way, or two ways to find it. Um, I'm not sure where it comes on Google if you put that in. Oh, they could just email brainwaves at mifellowship.org and I can forward it to them. For sure. Or if there's a link on the uh, myfellowship.org website if they click on NDIS and then advocacy. Yeah. Um, so that's a good way to find it as well. So, yeah, please do watch it because um, these are really important stories that we need to listen to. So what happens now that the election is almost here? Ah, well, the work doesn't stop, I guess. No. <laughs> Whoever forms the next government, um, and I guess we'll all be waiting to see that this Saturday, um, I'm going to want to work really closely with them as as well, my, you know, everyone at my fellowship to make sure that um, the new government's hearing the voices and needs of people who are disenfranchised and excluded to make sure that, that our funding and the reforms align with what's best practice in mental health to make sure, most of all, that human rights and people's dignity is always put first. And we're going to keep working hard to get the changes that we think are really important up on the agenda. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take time, but I do think we'll get there. We're speaking with Indigo Dea, General Manager of Consumer and Care Advocacy and Leadership, my colleague at the Mental Illness Fellowship. Victoria, and she's telling us about amplifying the voice of others through the call to action, the advocacy campaign in the lead up to the Victorian state elections. We're just going to go to a short CSA to promote International Day of People with a Disability, which 3CR will be dedicating all broadcasting to next Wednesday. Wednesday 3rd of December is International Day of People with Disability. And on 3CR, we'll have 12 hours of social justice radio by, for and about people with disability with environmental activists, refugees and asylum seekers, aid workers and self-advocates. All people with disability, working for a better life. Disability Day, Wednesday 3rd of December, 6.30am to 6.30pm on 3CR 855am 
3CR Digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We're back. Ben Renato here with you on Brainwaves 3CR 855 AM and we're speaking with special guest Indigo Dea from Mental Illness Fellowship Victoria who is in a senior position in advocacy in mental health and we're talking about where mental health stands in the lead up to the election. And Indigo, another question for you. What are your personal reflections on advocating for better mental health in this election? Has anything been especially difficult? Um, number of things have been difficult. It's been very interesting as well, though, I have to say, Ben. Um, I would think three things have really struck me. If, um, and I'm not sure if we've got time to talk about all three, but I, yeah, I'd call we've it... We've still got about 15 minutes. Oh, how exciting. Um, we can talk about heaps in that time, Ben. We can change the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess they would be... Um, the first one is about beds and Band-Aids, which I'll have to explain. Yeah. Um, the second one would be about myths and stigma, and the third one would be about... Um, that I, I think we've got a really fragmented way of looking at mental health at the moment. Um, so should we start with talking about beds and band-aids, sure. I guess? Um, something I found really interesting is is that one area where both of the major parties have been in agreement is that they've both made a, a commitment to fund more hospital beds um, in psychiatric services. Um and I find that interesting because this isn't a need that a single consumer or carer has spoken to me about, saying, I wish there were more hospital beds. Um, and it probably doesn't surprise you either, Ben. Um, and I guess when I look at it, it, it feels a little bit like, um, you know, we're buying some Band-Aids um, rather than really trying to heal some of the, the sort of, I guess, chronic infections that we've got um, in the mental health system of issues. So, this so looking might... at the whole person. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, if you've got a whole lot of things wrong or you, you've got a chronic infection, a Band-Aid is really not going to heal things or fix the systemic problem, but it is going to cover things up a bit or, or make you feel a little bit better for a short time. I really don't think that more hospital beds are going to fix the issues in mental health, and I'm I'm sure there are many others with different views, as, you know, besides me about this. You know, this is my view, and it's it's based on lived experience. But I think what we need is much more focus on supporting people in the community, so we don't need to go to hospital, so that we don't end up in crisis, so that we can actually um, get much better at managing our own mental health and and moving into recovery rather than ending up back in hospital. Um, and things like investing in peer support will get us that. Investing in better, more recovery-oriented residential services will get us that. Um, and I, I'm not sure why we keep coming back to, to hospital beds at the answer, as an answer, and I, I can't help but wonder if a part of it is because it's it's sort of simple and it sounds good that, that people will hear that and go, oh, great, I know what more hospital beds are and that can't be a bad thing. Whereas it's a bit harder to understand how peer support might help people. But the, the best analogy I could use really around that would be, it's like, you know, if people are drowning, do we want to keep squeezing them into life jackets or do we want to teach people how to swim 
So I like that, that analogy. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like it as well. I think, you know, and we, and we go... It's more keep, sustainable. Absolutely. But we keep going for the life jackets. Oh, it's a crisis. Throw one on. And, and, of course, sometimes you need a life jacket. I'm not saying we don't need hospitals at all. But ultimately, we really want to support people to be able to swim on their own. And we can do that. Um, and we could probably get a lot more peer support, a lot more community services for the, the same sort of cost. So... I'm not sure if it's politically correct to talk about it that way. but um. <laughs> and, and another issue that has been around the, the whole portrayal of people with mental health issues, hasn't it? Yeah, and look, that's it's come up in different ways and it's something I constantly struggle with and I suspect everyone who's been touched by mental health issues in any way will often pick up on this, that we so often misrepresent people. And so I've struggled a little bit um, in a number of ways with, I guess, it's stigma and exclusion in the election campaign that I've seen, you know, some of the language and and thinking in some of the policies and media releases and conversation. Um, And that's been from all sides of politics and media, by the way. I'm not picking on any one area, but it's... This communication's often really reinforced myths about mental illness and, you know, stuff that leads to stigma. Things like, you know, this this myth that people with mental illness are violent and dangerous and and we know or we should all know that people with mental illness are no more violent than anyone else. And, um, and very can be vulnerable and at risk of having violence perpetrated against us. Absolutely. We're, we're, I've seen one study that says that you know, if, you, if you've got a mental illness, you're 14 times more likely to be a victim of violence than someone without mental illness. So, you know, it's quite extraordinary that, that we're sort of stereotyped as being these dangerous individuals when, in fact, we're often very vulnerable and, and are the victims of violence. So it's, you know, it concerns me that we still have some of these kinds of conversations that we're it's mental kind of a illness system's response around risk management, eh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, rather than actually responding to, well, well, what's true here and what do people need? And so I think, you know, we've still got a lot more work to do around education um, and stigma around this stuff. And a part of the way we tackle it, I think, is, is, you know, the other part of this issue is that I've seen lots of people talking about issues in mental health who are professionals and politicians and you know, big powerful leaders. I haven't heard many people in the media and in the debate like you and me, Ben, who've actually been there, whether as consumers or carers. And I would like to see, I'd hope everyone would like to see and hear a lot more people who've actually been there talking about these issues because that's how we change it. Yeah. What was the third and final thing that's really struck you? Um, the, The brokenness. I guess. So um, we've had over recent weeks a whole lot of um, different bits of information coming out and different policies coming out. Um, As I said before, we haven't had a lot of time to review them, but my first response to looking at at all of these policies is that it seems quite fragmented. um, And yet what I think we, we really need in mental health is it's a really cohesive strategy. So, As opposed to a fragmented one. Yeah, well, yeah, because we're, we're often fragmented enough ourselves. But, but men, and mental health is really complex. I'm not saying it's easy to do it because homelessness is a related issue. We've got hospitals and community services and drug and alcohol services. We've got carers and families. Um, there's, 
you know, there's policies talking about young people um, and the aged with mental health, which is great to see a lot more focus there, by the way, um, but also people in the middle, um, people from culturally diverse backgrounds and refugees, um, people who identify as GLBTIQ, you know, where where, where is support for, for people um, from a whole variety of backgrounds and experiences and how do all these things fit together? Um, mortality. So uh, if you're diagnosed with schizophrenia in Australia, you're likely to die about 20 years younger than almost anyone else in Australia, which is outrageous. Mm. Um, we know that trauma and abuse are phenomenally high amongst consumers, but we don't have a consistent policy around that. So I think... We, we really need a, a cohesive strategy that pulls all that stuff together and that has human rights sitting at the heart of it rather than off to the side. So um, it's been a, a bit disappointing, I understand it as well, but I think, um, you know, a big part of my role is, is to try and, and make it easier for the decision makers to pull all of these complexities together into something cohesive. Thank you, Indigo. We're coming towards the end of time together on the Brainwaves program, but keep up the good work and time for Renegade Economist coming up next. So once again, big thank you, Indigo General Manager of Consumer and Care Advocacy and Leadership from Mental Illness Fellowship Victoria for Brainwaves pre-election show. Thank you, Indigo. Thanks so much, Ben. Nothing about us without us is for us. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Indigo. Thanks. Good night, Ben. Bye. Come along to the 3CR end-of-year celebrations. There will be music, food, a licensed bar, and, of course, awards. Friday, 28th of November, Edinburgh Gardens Community Room, the room under the grandstand of the Fitzroy Football Oval off St. George's Road from 6.30pm onwards. And be sure to tune into 3CR next Wednesday for Disability Day special broadcasting. Stay tuned for Renegade Economist coming up next. Please send your listener feedback to brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Wednesday 3rd of December is International Day of People with Disability. Celebrate disability culture and pride on 3CR with talented activists, performers and broadcasters from Australia and all around the world. We'll have a big bold breakfast with Finn and Daniel from The Boldness and Disability Day shows from Brainwaves, Small Talk, Refugee Radio and much more, as well as live music with Are You Looking At Me? Wednesday 3rd of December, 6.30am to 6.30pm on 3CR, 8.55am. Love me, stop the worry of